Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Forest Brothers Podcast. I am joined here by my two brothers, Ngome Zulu and Kosi. Ngome, say hi, please say hi to the audience. Oh, hello, Mutsa. Hello to the viewers. Uh, always happy to be at the podcast as always. Um, just, yeah, just good to be back. Thank you, Mr. Ngome. And hello to my other brother, Samson Penguini, the chemist. Say hello to the audience for us, please, sir. Hello. Great to be here. Uh, can't wait to get into it. Awesome. So today, my fellow listeners, we have a very special episode lined up for you. You know, we, uh, we know we, we usually talk about soccer, but today we are diving into another topic that is quite dear to our hearts here. And that is our experiences in college and post-college. So we would like to offer our brothers and sisters out there some pieces of advice and hopefully y'all find this quite helpful. Uh, and starting off in that regard, we will be talking about leading up to graduation, the, f- the three months left of your college career, what to do, what not to do, expectations, and you know, just some, just some helpful tips and guidance to help you finish off your college career strongly. Um, yeah, so getting into that, I'll start over with my brother, Nkosi. Uh, tell us, sir, for your, about your first of the last three months of college and what you'd like to tell our brothers and sisters out there. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mutsa. Uh, so for the biggest one for me, like post-college was, uh, sorry, not post-college, uh, prior to graduation was planning around what the future would hold for me. Because as an international student, it's a bit of a challenge as you go through many different things uh, as you graduate and prepare for graduation. For us, it was a unique situation because we graduated online with the whole COVID situation when it was hot and happening at that point. Uh, still is now, but at that point, it was actually not that. It was actually quite big at that point in time. So I think for me, the biggest one was just relaxing honestly just relaxing taking it one day at a time the earlier you start thinking about that going forward thinking about the future if you think about it like the year of your graduation i think you'll be fine for me that was like the biggest one so i think if you're able to do that that can actually help you be successful and also if you're not in a situation if you're in a situation where you're struggling to find different resources and things like that uh, you need to like reach out to like professors and people there on like, like your campuses. They're like good resources and the internet, you know, the internet has everything, man. The internet, uh, that's where I found most of my stuff. Um, I'm here where I'm at today because of the internet. So I think that big part on like just planning, man, you know, for me, like it was, just, I wouldn't say much in this segment, but like, I just want people to plan ahead and they'll be successful. You do that. You'll be successful. Mark my words. Mr. Masanga, for you, like, proud of graduation, what are you thinking about? What are you trying to do, man? So for me, you know, in that uh, pandemic period, I, um, yeah, I wasn't thinking about much. You know, I was just thinking about how am I going to get all these courses done because I had, you know, I had more than a full load. I think I was taking 19 credits. So I was, you know, busy day and night. Just, you know, assignments on assignments, projects. My senior projects stressed me the hell out. 
that whole semester. So I wasn't really thinking too much about the future. Um, but what I kind of wish I did uh, at the time was um, maybe think more about where I wanted to work, um, where I, uh, I could start applying to, where I could think of moving to, uh, because, you know, all that comes to you very quickly once you graduate, you know. Um, I'm not sure about other schools, but at Luther College, you know, uh, the day after graduation, you expect it to be gone. And, you know, you kind of need to, I feel, you know, just looking back, I feel that was a big thing for me. Uh, even though everything worked out in the end, I wouldn't recommend anyone, uh, you know, kind of play it just off the cuff like I did. I think I was, I was playing it fast and loose with my future. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd say if I could go back, I would have taken, especially in the, in that three months prior to graduation, I would have taken quite a bit of time to look at um, all the different, you know, um, cities and towns around the U.S. that are good for computer science, you know, people, um, you know, what companies are good for working with international students, um, what um, what the rent costs in those areas, uh, how much it would cost, you know, for you know to move me and my things to those areas. Um, yeah, and kind of just think of not necessarily, you know, applying, but, you know, just life, you know, because there's quite a bit of time before you actually are in a job and you are earning money and you, you know, you just need to, you know, keep living, keep surviving. And I think it, it's, it's worth to spend quite a bit of time just thinking about, you know, that, that period right after you graduate and before you get a job. So, yeah. Yeah, no, those three months prior in your senior year. I mean, in, for me, yeah, it was it was stressful, but in, in, it's also the last three months of college. You know, you don't live your college experience again after you you leave, so you also want to enjoy it and not not try and you know carry the world on your shoulders um, because you're dealing with a lot. You know, you're dealing exams are coming, you're dealing with you know stress about okay, I need to find out where I'm gonna live, job, this and this and that. But I would also just say, you know. You'll figure it out eventually. I think I think you just have to kind of take it easy upon yourself and not stress yourself too much because life can get quite interesting. You know, I I personally, because when I was graduating, it wasn't during the pandemic. So I wasn't dealing with some of the things that my two brothers here dealt with. But definitely I was stressed and anxious because I, you know, you you I wanted to make sure that I was secure. I wanted to make sure that I had a job before leaving college. Like, you know, I had a plan and I just didn't want to go out there, uh, you know, without any opportunities. So that's something that would stress me out. Like, okay, I'm going to live. Where am I gonna, what am I going to work? What am I going to do? Um, so yeah, it's definitely good to think about. One thing I would actually recommend or for people out there still in colleges, try out different like internships. You know, if you can work an internship in a, in a city somewhere, that's a good intro into where you want to work. For me personally, I I interned in DC. I loved the city and I knew as soon as I graduated that I wanted to be in DC. So that kind of helped my decision-making process just because I had that experience. So I would always recommend that if you can intern, you know, so if you're, if you're a sophomore or freshman right now, you're listening to this, definitely look into internships. They're good for you. Good exposure. Uh, so, and you know, if you're a senior and you've got three months left, I mean, you can still find some internships, but certainly that was one thing that I found to be really helpful. Um, but you know, also just take it, take it day by day, you know, life, life is, life is short. College, college doesn't last forever. Enjoy it whilst you still can. Nkosi? You know, for me, this whole 
graduation thing was very unique per se in that I never envisioned myself to be where I'm at today, even though I did all the planning that I spoke about earlier. But in actual fact, like this wasn't the plan, but honestly, just don't close doors when you're there looking at opportunities uh, around like the graduation, post-graduation era. In terms of like, if you have the option to get a job or apply for PT, get a job, move somewhere, work, take that. But at the back of your mind, not saying have a plan B, but as another option, have grad school, you know, having that option just opens you up to two different perspectives. Because for me, like the plan was grad school initially, like focus had been like that from freshman year, post-graduation, focus on going to grad school and then working afterwards. But then it didn't work out like that. You know, life has many different challenges it throws at you. So just just looking into that. Like now, I think the biggest one for me, like, is just uh, grad school. Uh, if you have the opportunity, take it. Uh, Mr. Masanga, you think grad school is worth people's time or should they just focus on just trying to get the dough, man, and get some money? Well, you know, I'll, I'll never stop you from trying to get some money. You know, I... I, I think everyone should be always trying to get some money. Um, that being said, grad school is, for me, you can look at it in, in two ways. Um, it can be an opportunity to further your education. Say, for example, if you are a novice, you know, everyone's, you know, post-college, everyone's a novice something, you know, novice accountant, novice uh, software engineer. When you go to grad school, that elevates you in the job market significantly. And, you know, if you're thinking about, say, you are in the 50 to 80 grand a year um, wage, you know, section, if you go to grad school, that can uh, increase the minimum amount you'd, you'd be able to get to by like 20 to 30 grand, some, sometimes even more. Uh, so you could look at it in that way. Um, plus, you know, you'd probably get way more opportunities just in general. Um, but you could also look at it as a chance for a rebirth. Um, so, you know, like my brother and Kosi just alluded to, life is not perfect. Things don't always go to, according to plan. You know, you can make the most elaborate plans, the most brilliant plans. But, you know, if you get to that point and your heart's not in it, you know, there's really no point in, keep, in, in, in keeping it going. You know, um, because at the end of the day, yes, money is important, but I think happiness plays once you've secured, you know, a few things in your life uh, in terms of, you know, you've gotten your undergraduate degree, you can pay rent, you can take care of yourself, uh, but you just, it's not doing it for you. You know, you're, you're kind of, you're miserable at your job. You don't like your coworkers. You don't see any room for growth or, you know, and everything's miserable. I think grad school is an opportunity for you to say, hey, what if I don't like what I'm doing? What if I don't like my field? What if, you know, I'm a software engineer, but I think I should be a botanist or I think I should be an architect. Grad school gives you a chance to try something new and to reinvent yourself. So, you know, yeah, I think uh, depending on where you're at, I think you should always give things a chance. Obviously, you know, so I'm not saying abandon ship right now to all my seniors out there, all my juniors. Um, definitely give things a, a go. Um, try things out. Get into the job market. See what's out there. Get your first job. Move into your first apartment. But just know that grad school is that opportunity to either elevate your career to the next level or 
an opportunity to switch fields and try something new. So yeah, that's the way at least I look at it. Yeah, you know what? This is a, a great, I know this debate uh, plagues a lot of people in terms of what do you do first? Do you work first or do you go to grad school first? Because I know my parents were pushing that I do grad school first, you know, just get school out of the way. Um, and that's what my brother did. You know, as soon as he finished his undergrad, he went straight into grad school and he, he just finished now. Whereas for me, I thought it'll be more important to certainly get some work experience first. And that's, that's always going to be my recommendation for anybody, really. I think in order to really know what you want to do in grad school, I think it's important to at least work for, the, for that first year, at least. So like, you know, if you're able to just get the one-year OPT or get the STEM, I would recommend you work first. Get working experience counts. From what I've seen, actually, a lot of companies hire people based on their work experience. I know that even, yes, if you do get a master's degree and you're applying for a job, a lot of people have their master's now, but like work experience is so invaluable because you gain a lot of other skills and it shows companies that, you know, you're actually employable. So from what I have, from the experience that I've lived, I would certainly say get some work experience first, get in the field, because then you'd actually figure out, you know, do I like this? Do I not like this? And then it also makes you more determined once you do get into grad school, because now you know what exactly you want to work on, what exactly you want to do or what you don't want to do. You know, like I am, I'm in the economic world and working has really opened up my eyes in terms of what exactly I want to concentrate on when I go to grad school as to what I would have thought about in my undergrad. So yeah, if, if, if you have that opportunity work first and then go to school because, and it's always nice to go into grad school and you've got a little bit more, more change in your pocket. You know, you don't want to be a papa in grad school. So, uh, Samson. Right. So I was just going to add on, you know, the, the work experience versus grad school debate. I think it also depends what field you're in and also depends on, uh, how you performed in undergrad. I know some people, you know, uh, in certain majors, you, you might've had a rough start. Your GP might have taken a hit in the beginning, but it recovered towards the end, maybe, uh, or maybe you went the other way. Um, and it might be more beneficial to you, um, you know, if you're applying in a highly competitive field to go into grad school and try to up your knowledge and up your, up your level to show employers that, yeah, I can actually do this work. And, you know, that because if, especially if you're continuing what you were doing in undergrad, you know, to kind of show them that progression that, hey, I might have started rough in grad school, but hey, look at where I am right now. You know, I've improved. I've gotten a better grasp on things. And that, you know, helps you in the job market. On the other hand, I know there are a lot of employers, especially in the, in the, tech, in the tech side, who really value experience. Um, for example, some jobs that, you know, that you apply to, your GPA almost doesn't matter. You know, um, what matters is where have you interned? Um, what projects, what personal projects have you done? What does your GitHub look like? Uh, do you have any websites up? Is there anything, you know, is there any link you can send them to show them your work? So, for, you know, from that perspective, you know, you might, the answer might be obviously, yeah, let's, let's, let me get out and apply for a job and get something. Because, you know, at the end of the day, some employers just want people who can do the job because the job may not be all that difficult, but may take a bit of, you know, may take a bit of time to learn and it's more beneficial for them to have someone who, you know, sure, only has four years of college experience, but someone who they can train in a month and they're good for three years. Other than someone who did go to grad school, has no experience, has never done this sort of thing before, 
but you know he has all this knowledge all this you know he's, he's book smart but he has no real world experience they may look at that and say hey the guy with three years experience we don't have to tell him anything he's already experienced you know like what we do and how we do things versus this guy that we have to spend the next six months coaching up so you know i think that's another thing to think about so yeah just to add on to that piece there i think something that we all need to keep in mind is like we all envision ourselves uh, when it comes to like working and just just life in general picture ourselves driving that uh whatever vehicle you want to drive uh living the lavish life there in hollywood or wherever uh, in bali or something like that and what what, we, what I think the most critical aspect about it, having that corner office, of course, I think the most critical aspect about it is like, how do you move up in a profession in terms of like, I've spoken to a couple of industry experts and what they've said is that some some positions, some companies, especially big companies, uh, you can work as a manager or as a as an analyst or whatever for a good 10 years. What would what 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 will differentiate you to move up to the next level? A graduate degree, a graduate degree with plus experience can take you to a senior manager position, a director position, a C position, uh, a president position, a VP position. Those kind of things really do take you there if you're able to leverage those and you're able to know that because now you have the real world experience you know what you need want to do in grad school because you can do six years of your life in grad you can do grad school and undergrad do software engineering get to the job don't like it you've wasted all that time so just to add on to what Muta was saying like it's good to have like i'd say that work experience to know what you want to do and what not what you don't want to do so that does take you to a whole different ball game and like oh actually i think I think this is something I'm trying to do. This is, this is something I like, this is something I don't like. Because at work, they give you all sorts of things and you're able to understand what's pretty much going on in the industry. Yeah, just speaking of jobs, yeah, you know, we speak we speak so broadly about just jobs and things like that and just working and things like that. But people never actually take the time to explain, especially for international students, the process. What is OPT? What is STEM OPT? I think let, let's dive into that one, man. I think I think the people would like to hear a bit more about that one. Yeah, you know, I think I think they would. But you know, I before we get into that, you know, I found myself really thinking this one day. Do, do you guys ever get tired of this of this rat race thing as an international student, where it's like you come to America, undergrad, four years, then you work. And then it's like, okay, your OPT, either you have that one year or you have the three-year STEM, right? But at some point it ends. And then if you want to, like, let's, if you want to stay in America, for example, now you have to go to grad school, right? That's the next step. And then you do grad school for like two years. And then after those two years, you get, you work. And you get, either they get that one-year OPT or you get the three years, depending on what profession you're in. And then at that point, you've been in America for like, what, almost 10 years. And it's like, okay, now do you get sponsored? You apply for green card because if you don't get any of those things you, you have to leave right it's still like not <laughs> it's still not determined yet you still have to make a plan so i don't know i just i just find it like taxing sometimes like does this when is when does this end when do i get a chance to be like all right now i'm settled in this place 
for the next five years and I don't have to worry about, am I going to get kicked out of this country? Tapa, you know, like it, that's so like, you know, so for me personally, it's like, okay, maybe Canada, because in Canada, you know, you can get your residency after like three years and, you know, it's easier that way as compared to America. But I don't know, I don't know what you guys' opinion is on that, but that's, is that something that you ever think about or that it gets to you? Yeah, like the fact that uh, you're just a temporary person here in the US, so there's no sense of like stability. That does actually worry me at times. Sometimes it also just keeps you on my toes just to be like, oh, I need to think about the next thing now. How do I think about the next thing? How do I do the next thing? So that does that does help me, but also it hinders me because, for example, like I work at a company where they're always mentioning, ah, it's time to sign up for 401k. 401k is pretty much free money. Like for me, in my opinion, that's just free money. You just have to make the matchings that the company ma- makes every month. And post-retirement, you'll have a saving, savings account and you'll be able to live any kind of life you want. But the big piece there is that you don't know where you'll be in the next three to five years. So you, the, the real question then becomes the, do I sign up for it or do I not? Because imagine you sign up for it and then you leave the company and then you've made those contributions for three years, which also you can't even withdraw after that period. You'd have to wait until you hit like 60. And what if you're not even in the country at that point? So but as a balancing act, I think it does make it a bit of a challenge for most international students. But honestly, like, take it as it comes, man. Take it as it comes. Yeah, uh, for me, I think of, um, and I've spoken with this with my dad a few times, and I think he's he just intimated just, you know, the fact that we're young, right? So we're still under 30. Um, like, there's still a lot more we can do in life, and there's still a lot more experience we can gain, different places we can live, and we're, none of us are, I mean, at, at least my two brothers right here, uh, I know none of you are near starting a family, um, barring any, you know, unless, unless one of you wants, wants to tell something about last night, <laughs> I don't think any of you are ready to start a family. So, you know, uh, yeah, I think you look at it. I mean, the way I look at it is, you know, we're young. We are just starting out in our careers. Like my brother and cousin says, you know, let's just let's just take it day by day. Let's just take it year by year. See what happens this year. See what happens next year. Um, and kind of just, you know, take those experiences as they come. Uh, you know, because, I mean, I saw my dad start a business at age 57. Last year, you know, he quit his job and started a business. You know, that 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 kind of reminds me that hey, there's there's a lot of time. You know, there's a lot of time to try different things out and do you know, do different things, live in different places. So yeah, I try not to think about when my time in the U.S. is going to be done. I just think of um of the year. Like I'm in my second year of well, the first year of my OPT extension, OPT STEM extension. Uh. What are my goals for this year? Um, how am I going to perform in my company? Uh, where am I going to live? Uh, do I want to move this year? Do I want to stay in the same place? Uh, what furniture should I buy? You know, that's that's the kind of stuff I think about. And I try not to think too far into the future because I know all that can change. And, you know, we'll just see we'll just see where we're at when, it, you know, when, when the time comes, when my OPT um, period runs out. So, yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I I do think that it, it, it needs some thought on, on your part in terms of, okay, you know, what's your plan? Cause I think sometimes you might need just a bit of a game plan 
Like, okay, do you want to actually stay in the United States for one? Some people don't. Some people just want to graduate and dip or work here and dip or actually stay here. You know, so if your plan is to stay in the United States, you have to think about long term. Okay, if you're applying for jobs, look at the company and maybe just ask around, like, you know, just make sure, do they offer H-1B visas for one? Do they sponsor their employees? That's that's good to know because if you want to stay and you know that you like the company and H-1B, also, I mean, it's a side conversation. I personally feel like H-1B, <laughs> they chain you up because you can only work for that company on an H-1B visa. If you leave that company, you have to find another one that's willing to sponsor you. So it's kind of like they're holding you by the neck to an extent, you know, like, because <laughs> it's not determined. The only thing that's determined is like, if you get your green card, then yeah, you can work for anybody. But sometimes I do feel like even getting sponsored is is a chokehold because you're stuck with that company. I mean, if you like the company, then it's all good. But if, yeah, but they, they can just, if they fire you or if you leave, then it's not a guarantee that you can stay in the country. You have to actually go to somewhere else that they can. But anyway, sort of things like that, it's always good to think about like, okay, do you want to apply for green card at some point? Do you want to enter the lottery? Do you want to marry an American? You know, that's, that's another way. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's options, options. But you have to think about that if you want to stay. And if you want to leave, what's your plan? Like, do you want to go to Canada? You know, do you want to go to Europe? Do you want to go back home? So it, it really just depends. <laughs> but it's good to think about, though. Uh, Samson? Yeah, I was just going to add that um, if you want to do, if you really want to think long term, I don't think it's enough to just think about your job. You need to start thinking about, okay, uh, owning a house, owning a car, you know, investing. Because um, that's those are the things that really tie you to a place. You know, it's not just, you know, because, you know, sure, you can have an H1B, but on H1Bs, if they don't like it, they can leave, you know, they can quit their jobs. And that may put them in limbo. But, you know, remember, you're a foreigner, you know, so you can always go home. That's like, that's always an option that's always on the table, no matter what. But if you really want to think about staying in the US, those are kind of like the bigger questions you need to start asking. Where do I want to live? Uh, where can I invest my money? Where, you know, how should I start saving my money? Uh, do I want to own property? When do I want to buy a house? When do I, do I want a car? Do I want to be the kind of person that commutes? Uh, you know, and I think if you can answer those questions, like if you can decide that, yes, I want to own a house in this area, you know, it's like I want to live in Baltimore and, and buy this house, then that can help your decision of, yes, I want to stay in the U.S., and once you've made that decision, you know, even though you don't have things figured out right now, you know, you can, you, you, you can make plans, you know, you can start looking, you start playing for the lottery. You can start talking to your, to your company about getting a visa extension and them applying for an H1B on your behalf. And, you know, it can shape, shape your thinking and shape the decisions you make. But yeah, I think, yeah, if you want to stay in the U.S., those are the bigger questions you need to, you need to start asking yourself. Very interesting stuff there, Mr. Masalang. Like now you just mentioned all these big things and all these nice things that I'm pretty sure all the all these people in college are just interested in hearing and like how to do it. Uh just just going on to the next segment, I think I think in this segment, let's focus a bit on like just applying for jobs, man. Like, how do you apply for a job? Why do you apply for OPT? How do you do all these things that make you eligible to work here for, as Muta mentioned, that temporary phase in the U.S. Like, uh, Mr. Muta, could you 
since you're the most senior here of us, uh, explain to us OPT, man. People, the masses want to know what OPT is. While you add it, explain the STEM process because people men, think they know STEM, but they don't really know STEM, man. <laughs> the O to the P to the T, you know? So this OPT process essentially is the way that international students can actually work in the United States. And it's funny though, because you would think that a lot of companies in America know about OPT, but they don't. Like I know my sister, she applied to some places and they end up like not offering her the job because, you know, towards the end, they're like, oh, OPT, OPT, what do we need to do about this? And then they're like, should we get our lawyers involved? And then all that mumbo jumbo. And then they're like, you know what? I think we'll just, you know, let's, let's just part ways. So like a lot of students actually experience that when companies don't know about OPT. And to be honest, they don't have to do anything. OPT just makes it legal for a student to work in the United States because it's just it's your experience based off the degree you got. So OPT essentially is you work in the field of your major. I majored in economics, so my field has to do with economics. You know, I can't just break into Hollywood and act on OPT if I didn't study theater, you know, even though I'd like to do it, but I'll, I have to do it in, in other ways. But so... That's what essentially OPT is. And now there's the STEM side of it where it's uh, science, technology, science and technology. I can't, uh, I can't remember what the E and the M are. Uh, Kosi, maybe you can help me out. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I understand, but so you're not in those fields. Uh, it's engineering for some of us and mathematics. <laughs> Thank you, Kosi. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, but economics is now a part of that because at Luther, Luther College where I went, in my senior year, actually, one of the tracks that I did, like econometrics, the economics track, made it made me eligible for the STEM. But it's crazy because in some of the colleges, economics is not a STEM field. So I think it varies by college in terms of where you go and um what you know, if they've approved it for for, for the STEM. But um Essentially, if you are work like STEM is like if you do uh, engineering, if you're in sciences, you know, you can basically work in the United States for three years. You can extend it and you can work for three years, whereas the regular OPT is just one year. So th that's the main difference, OPT and STEM. You just have to apply for it. And so if you're able to, I would always say, like, if you can somehow manage to get into a somehow work on something that. Um, like a, a subject or a major, just major in something that can give you STEM. And in terms of the fees for OPT, from my understanding, uh, it costs $410. You, you know, you tap a check and then you send it over to uh, UCSIS and then they basically uh, approve your OPT and then they send you the card. In my time, it took about three months when I applied and like, you start the application process, I believe, in February. That's when it opens up. And so once you apply, it you know it can vary depending on the law and on the backlog of things, but you should expect to get it maybe. Um, so I, when I applied, I applied for my OPT in, yeah, like around March, and I ended up getting mine in at the end of August. That's when I got my OPT, if I, if I remember that correctly. So it took, it took a bit of time, but if you can apply for it early, Hopefully you can get it early as well. So that's that's the process that I remember it. Um, Nkosi, am I missing anything? Um, 
Not really, but there's just an important piece that I think a lot of students need to keep in mind when it comes to OPT and timing. Because you're essentially what it's it's telling you is to try and apply at a point in time where you're able to transition immediately into either into a job post-graduation. So for example, I'd say three months prior to your graduation, for example, if you if you graduate at the end of May, word of advice is like first week of March, apply. And then by the time you get the job, if you get a job, and then they're saying you start beginning of May, I mean, end of May or early June, uh, the timing aspect will coincide so that you're not wasting a couple of days just sitting there doing nothing. So I think that's something that a lot of students need to keep in mind because there is like a 90-day window from the moment your OPT arrives where you need to get a job uh, or leave the country. So it's a bit tricky there. So I'd say for a lot of students, just keep that in mind. Try and time your OPT to a point where the, by the time it arrives, you start working and you know there's no waiting period. If there is, it shouldn't be too long because it can get a bit iffy there. And also don't try and apply for OPT and then and then not, not look for jobs and then so you can apply for jobs when it comes through. So that just that just throws it throws it off quite a bit there. But I think also just when it comes to that whole thing, man, it's at, at first when you're doing it, it's very stressful because taking up a lot of time, you've never done this before. So just try and enjoy it, man. You'll you'll see you you'll see you'll reap the benefits at the end once you get a job. Uh, because also like companies look at like when are you able to start and if you mention you're still waiting for your pt creates uh, a challenge there so i think if you're able to get it for example first week of june and you know you're interviewing with a couple of companies that are potentially ready to hire you if they're like when are you ready to start because they understand if they understand the opt process they can be like yo actually you can you can actually like i'd say present the card immediately and then you're able to start working rather than if you can actually lose job or like job postings and job openings, like actual job offers, just because you said you're still waiting for your OPT. So I think uh, the students need to keep that in mind uh, when it comes to like that whole aspect of like post-graduation applying for OPT, because no one tells you these things, man. Like you just have to experience it for, for you to know what's going on. Uh, Mr. Mutsa, I think you wanted to mention something about just, an, another alternative i don't know today you just have many ideas like something about what people can do as well man yeah so another thing that people might not be as aware of is the fact that once your opt does come out and you're still applying for jobs if you volunteer at a at a, at a company or do volunteer work that also counts in in that you're doing something i think you just have to volunteer for 20 plus hours and that also shows that you know you're you're doing something so that 90 days doesn't start counting like oh you're not you're, you don't have a job so that's just another another alternative just like that you're actually if you volunteer like if, you, if you're finding it hard to get a job volunteer volunteering is also a, a great way um and once you do have your opt and you're still applying for jobs i would say you can use employment agencies that's what i did when i got to dc you know i i was look, applying for jobs but in the meantime i used this company called Robert Half, and they can find you a job, like, a, you know, a temporary job really quickly. You know, you can, you can, you can start working as soon as you get your OPT. And that's what I did. I got something temporary for three weeks and I worked it. And then I got my job like three weeks later and then, you know, it was all good. So 
using employment agencies can be is quite important and they're very helpful. So once you get the OPT, you can start with that and you should get you should be sorted. Yeah, Nkosi? Employment agencies, I mentioned them quite a, quite a number of times. They do help. Like they're a great resource for people to get a job immediately, even if it's not like a job that you like, but it, may, it helps you stay eligible. You can move on to a different company while you are while you with that employment agency because they understand the process on like you're just trying to stay eligible if you're trying to do that that really does help um the other thing is like different platforms as i as i just go back to like uh just applying for jobs the internet man the internet has everything you need for you to be able to be successful when you're applying for a job uh resources such as indeed linkedin uh zip recruiter uh, and there's many out there. Dice. Uh, I don't even. I can't even finish them. There's so many out there. The critical piece that I want to mention to my fellow students, my people that are about to graduate, in terms of like applying for jobs and just hitting quick apply on like LinkedIn, which is like the biggest one, and there's something they push quite a bit, is that I'll share some advice that I know happens in the back end that I've spoken to people that actually they work in like certain departments is that what happens in the back end is that you apply for let's say for example you apply for a job uh you hit that quick apply it's easy you don't have to go to a website and fill information it's very easy you don't have to do much hit those quick applies all the way all the way what happens is that sometimes that information doesn't get to the company that actually posted the job posting so i think if you see a job on a linkedin or any job recruiting platform, you need to go to that specific company's website and look for that specific job there and apply for that job there to ensure that your resume and your application get through to that specific company. Then you, you stand a better chance of thing instead of it being just lost on whatever recruiting platform you apply to. I think that's like the biggest advice I'd give to anyone trying to apply for a job in that just do that. Uh, because if you do that, I can guarantee you, you'll, you'll be, your chances of success will, will increase. Mr. Masanga, I know your situation was very different from many different people. Would you like to share it with the young students out there looking to dive into this corporate world, man? Certainly. So I think you brought up a very good point about the quick apply. And another thing I would say is there are, so many different um, websites with job postings. Depending on your major, you might have you know s- specific websites tailored um, to just that major. I know for computer science students, there are like websites specific to software engineering jobs, and it might be worth doing some research and finding out. You know, maybe you're trying to be an, maybe you're an accountant, maybe you're in economics, maybe you're in computer science. Go look and see if there are specific websites tailored to your kind of job. Um, that could get you in touch with companies that, you know, that better fit, you know, what you're trying to do. Say, for example, if you're a software engineer, instead of working for, instead of being like the IT guy at a bank, you might actually work in a proper software engineering company on a, on a large tech team, um, with, you know, in a job, you know, that would probably pay more than just the basic IT job um, for a company that doesn't focus on tech. And another thing I would say is, um, yeah, go to, yeah, like, because you said, go to 
the company's website because you know all all these all these other sites indeed monster linkedin what they end up sending is something like i don't know if you guys ever done you know filled out anything on a google form but when you run a google form when you set it up and you send it out to people and people get give you responses it's like a one page pdf or in this instance because it's google you know just one page in your emails, uh, kind of summarizing what they put in. And that's kind of what these companies get. You know, like the head of recruiting will just get that in their mail, like a little little PDF of, of what you filled out. And maybe they're just looking for one line, GPA, and that's it. Uh, whereas if you go to their website and maybe you, 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 know, you put in a cover letter, you put in a resume that's tailored to them, you know, maybe they'll take a little bit more time and look at what you actually have and who you are versus, you know, when they're applying through LinkedIn, you know, because you have to think of it from their perspective. They will get a lot of applications that they're trying to make their jobs as easy as possible while making sure they weed out as many people as possible, you know, people that they think they don't need or they don't fit them. So that could be your GPA. That could be where you live. That could be, you know, maybe like your major isn't specific enough. Um, but if you go to their website and you you fill out their forms and you submit a cover letter and a resume and anything else they ask you to submit there, that gives you a much better chance because you're giving them much more information to look at. So yeah, that's what I'd say. Oh, interesting stuff there, Sangi. Oh, that is that is valuable information, man. This is, I can't believe the masses are getting this information for free, man. I wish during my time I had this information like readily just there available on the, on the internet, as I always mentioned. Uh, I think another thing, just real quick, uh, just here in closing, is that for me, is like location. We've spoken about different places to live, but location is very critical because as an international student, you need to keep that in mind. Because if, for example, you're like, I'm trying to apply for a job in DC, but I live in Minneapolis, that makes no sense. The companies are less likely to hire you. So try and apply for a job where you are close by because companies don't want to pay for relocation fees for employees, especially like as an international student and you don't have work experience. So you don't have that leverage, like that bargaining power. So try, for example, if you live in Rochester, Minnesota, Rochester, New York, or Phoenix, Arizona, or out there in California, try and apply for a job there and then maybe move there immediately or sometime in the future. Um, I think for me, like that's the big piece there, Mr. Mutsa. What other interesting stuff would you like to tell our, our young students uh, in this in this closing segment? Yes, sir. Yeah, I I totally agree with that one. Where you said, you know what, if if you want to move move where you want to work, and you will, it's easier to get a job that way because then you get used to that. If you, I mean, now maybe with COVID and a lot of teleworking is happening. It's not as important as it was back in the day, but I will still say if you want to work in DC, if you want to work in Philadelphia, move there. And I know it's expensive to move to a new city and, but like at least look into it and see what, you know, there's some, there's like student housing in some of these cities that make it affordable for like people transitioning into cities. So look into that. Um, I think, I think it's good. It's definitely a good thing. Uh, it can be scary, but look at, we have a lot of networks out there, you know, UWC networks, college networks, Black networks, there are a lot of networks out there. And like, if you look at the, if you look up the right people, they might even be helpful to you in transitioning to that new city. So don't feel like you are alone. And um, last piece of advice from me is when you are applying for jobs, one helpful tip I received was that like, you can use LinkedIn to your, 
advantage by, let's say if you want to work for Ernest & Young, right? If you're in accounting, go to Ernest & Young, go to their page. Like if it's based in Minneapolis, if you go to their LinkedIn page, try and like send, send your applic- um, friendship request to people who work at that company. And, you know, for whoever accepts, try set up like an informational interview so that they get to know you like, hey, I'm interested in working here. I just want to have like an informational chat with you. 20 minutes. Is it okay if we talk? And then you, you get to ask about that company and get to talk to that person. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to send an application. And you never know, that person could actually put in a good word for you um, to the HR or the recruiting team. And so I always think like, just if, if you know where you want to go, like for me, when I was applying for work jobs in economic development, like I send a lot of my re- requests to people who work in the field of what I'm doing. And I managed to get some information interviews and they're really helpful. And at the end, like one of those networks ended up with getting me the job that I have now. So it's useful. So I would say just try that. Like you can definitely use it to your advantage, but certainly a good conversation with my two brothers. I certainly hope that this was useful to our budding seniors out there. I know this is this can be a very stressful time, but do not worry. There are resources out there to help you keep your head above the waters. You do not have to drown. You are not alone. People are there to help you out. Just seek the help you need and try and enjoy your last few months as a college student. It's never the same afterwards. So, I mean, it can get better, but it's just never the same. But, you know, so it's just, just, good, to, just good to know that. But yeah, definitely enjoy yourselves. Uh, and with that, we will see you back next week with the Forest Brothers. Stay well out there. Stay merry. And see you next time. Goodbye.